Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Winners. Hey, welcome into another edition of Respect My Decision. I am your host, Zach Barry. Before I welcome in my guest, I do want to remind you once again that this podcast is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. Uh, We here at Landry Football have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all of you, all followers and podcast listeners. So, Real quick, all you got to do, go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad in the upper right side of the page. Pick among any of the gaming sites that are legal in your state, BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, any and all of those. Sign up and you'll instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 up to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with this special offer from American Betting Experts. All right. I said we have a guest, and we do. We've got National Signing Day coming up next week. So we are pleased to welcome here on the show Josh Helmholt, the Midwest recruiting analyst for Rivals.com, part of the Yahoo Sports Network. Josh, welcome in. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I know that this is about as hectic as it can get with uh, signing day coming up. And then, as we always say, recruiting never stops. It will just be jumping headfirst into the 2022 class. So I know you cover the Midwest. um, And before we started, I know you said you didn't have a lot of guys still making decisions. But what uh, I guess what are you looking forward to most out of your region for next week? We still have three unsigned four-star prospects headlined probably by, well, I take that back. Rayshon Benny would be the headliner because he's a Rivals 100 guy, defensive tackle, committed to Michigan State in October, I guess late, I guess early November, but didn't sign and actually didn't sign just because why should he? I mean, who says signing in the early period is the right thing to do? There's a lot of reasons that you shouldn't sign in the early period, but that's another story. So he's decided not to sign. There's some thought that Michigan, maybe Texas are making a move there. I think he signs with Michigan State. But the uncommitted headliner in the Midwest would be Minneapolis North, four-star defensive end, Devon Townley. Now, Devon is a guy that didn't even start playing football until his junior year of high school and has really 
took to the game quickly, exploded with offers here in the offseason. Actually, not until things had really shut down for COVID. So he never really got chances to visit anywhere except, you know, the hometown Minnesota Gophers. But he's he's a guy that we talked earlier this week and he gave me seven teams he's still looking at although i think uh i can probably narrow him down a little bit into the 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 pretenders and the contenders so he's the guy as far as uncommitted guys and then avante dickerson former minnesota commitment out of omaha sounds like oregon's making a push there because i was thinking really strongly he was going to go to the home state nebraska Cornhuskers, but uh, there's a lot of late momentum from oregon we'll see how that plays out here next week so I, and I want to ask you this. You said it was the story for another day, but but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, uh, the early signing period is is all the craze now. Uh, it's it's what everybody typically does. I guess going on what four years now that it's been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's certainly popular. Uh, there there are some advantages there built in to where you can get on a campus early. You can start to get the acclimation process going to the college game and, and starting to lift weights and work out with your with your college teammates, but I, I am interested to hear your, your thoughts on why you think that there are reasons not to. I think there are some obvious ones, but I, I do want to hear your thoughts on that. No, I, th- I think there's no reason for it. It has no benefit for prospects. You can The kids were signing early and going to school early and enrolling early long before there was a uh, an early signing period. You don't have to have a letter of intent to enroll early. You can enroll early. Uh, in fact, I you know a lot of times what they do is they'd enroll and then they'd sign a letter of intent in February with the other guys. They'd have a, you know, I've, I've been to many of those signing day press conferences at colleges where they rolled out the early enrollees. They'd walk out, they'd sign their letter of intent. Uh, but there's no there's no early enrollees have no benefit with the early with the early signing period. It doesn't do anything any good for them. I mean, they can sign a a, a grant and aid, which actually gives them much more flexibility. Obviously, the big drawback is what we see every single year now. It happens in the middle of the coaching carousel. So you sign, and then two weeks later, the head coach that you just signed for and all his staff are gone. That's a problem. That's going to be I mean, that's it's just such a, a shame for kids to have to go through that back in when it was in February. You would have it where, um, you know, maybe some assistant coaches would leave after the, you know, the signing period. But you didn't have you, you didn't have multiple head coaches leaving after the February signing period. It's just a huge difference. It has no benefit. You know, me and college coaches don't give these kids any. They say, hey, you sign or we're going to pull your scholarship. Well, that's no choice. You don't have a choice to not sign then if you're like, well, this is a school I want to go to. I don't really want to. I lose leverage if I sign right now, you know, and, and everything blows up. And, you know, I mean, look at Rich Rodriguez at Arizona a couple of months, you know, a couple of years ago. Nobody was mm-hmm. expecting he was going to go. And then all of a sudden he has a scandal with a cheerleader and, you know, he gets fired. And like the week between Christmas and, and New Year. And, you know, these are avoidable situations that are only brought on because of the early signing period. Outside of just the, uh, I, I guess, the allure of the, you know, promoting it on television and promoting it, you know, online and, and everybody having these these ceremonies in December and just kind of, you know, the fanfare. I mean, what what is it? Because like you said, that's a great point. This has not just been a thing that started four years ago. There have been prospects that have enrolled early and just didn't do anything in February. They just got it going. And then now it's just this big 
hoopla in December. I mean, do you think that's the only reason why you see more and more prospects doing it? Because like you said, this has been a thing. No, it's the, they're doing it because the coaches are making them. I mean, the coaches aren't giving them an option. They're saying, you sign now. And, you know, I've had kids uh, like Rayshon Benny had, you know, he had that leverage where he could wait. You know, there are top guys that can wait. But if you're a, you know, three-star guy and, you know, you committed to a school, let's say back in May, all the other schools stopped recruiting you. You know, you see that, hey, there's some rumors about this coaching staff. Maybe I should take a step back. But, you know, you don't have that. You know, you don't have that. You know, your scholarship's going to get pulled if you don't sign. Um, it's just not a good situation for kids. I, I mean, they're, they're signing early because, you know, a bunch of adults are telling them they should sign early. That's they're not they're not doing it because you, you gotta understand these are professional recruiters and these are amateur kids and amateur parents going through this. Almost all of them, ninety nine percent, for the first time. You do have some parents that you know might have had a kid go through before, but I mean it's amateurs versus professionals, and those professional recruiters are very persuasive. Well, and and you mentioned. And I agree with you 100% with how it's such a double standard with, you know, well, once you sign this, this letter, this binding letter of intent, like you're, you're, you're going there. You gotta, you gotta, you might get into the portal, but you gotta wait. But then coaches can just up and leave. I mean, we saw it, you know, what was it last week, two weeks ago with Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, you've got early enrollees reporting to campus and then Tennessee just drops the bomb that Jeremy Pruitt and most of his staff is gone. So, I mean, that's, I know that people don't want to hear it, but you know, for lack of a better term, it's a business and, and it's unfortunate that players commit to, you know, these relationships they've built with coaches and then, Hey, I'm moving into my dorm and then wait, hold on. My head coach is gone. Mm -hmm. My position coach is gone. I mean, that, that sucks. I mean, there's no, there's no way to really say it other than that. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there on how it, it can be construed in a way by coaches and by, um, you know, the media to where, yeah, man, this is great. Like you get to do your thing in December and then you, you go to campus and yada, yada. And then, like you said, the coaching carousel is always turning, but it is really turning in December and January. And and a lot of these kids, they don't want to sign in December because this is the only sport that's signing in December. You know, they have these big February signing periods where, you know, their buddy that's signing with a D2 school is going to be there and their buddy that's signing with the NAI school that's going to be there. And maybe, a, you know, you know, a couple of girls from the soccer team or whatever. So, you know what I mean? They have these big signing days that they've always had. I mean, I've done this 18 years. You always had that big hoopla in February. And I'll be honest with you, the attention that you know signing day gets in december is not near what the attention signing day got in february i mean you're in the middle of the college football playoff you got bowl games going on nfl's going on in february you're the big deal you know there's maybe a super bowl going on the weekend before but everybody wants to talk about and, and i still get more requests from you know the the everyday media, the media that doesn't cover college, you know, college football recruiting on a regular basis. I still get more requests for media spots in February than I do in December. It's just, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, it's pushed through by the institutions. It's only good for the institutions and it should go away. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump in here to the, the latest Rivals 250, the final Rivals 250 before signing day next week. Um, there were some big movers in there and, and you can 
comment on anybody. It doesn't have to be in, in your in your area that you cover. But I mean, who were some of the names that that jumped out to you? I know it was hard to evaluate. A lot of kids didn't get to play a senior year. Um, it was hard with with COVID protocols and whatnot. But um, who were some of the biggest movers in, in your eyes in this final two hundred and fifty? Well, and and it's not necessarily the final two hundred and fifty. We've we've kind of had a discussion as an analyst team that if enough states play in the spring and it's worthwhile to come back and revisit it, we will. I mean, there are there are five star kids that are looking at playing. You know, uh, Sam Heward over there in in Washington, Emeka Ekbuka. You know, these guys are looking at possibly playing in the spring if they do, and enough guys do, and it makes sense to revisit those rankings. We'll definitely do that. I mean, look what we've lost. We lost the Rivals one hundred five star challenge over the summer that's a huge opportunity uh, evaluation opportunity for top players in the country we've lost senior seasons for kids in 16 states uh shoot other kids like you know, jack sawyer ohio state defensive end commitment he decided to opt out of his senior year because he was a mid-year enrollee and he thought he could play in the big 10 spring season when the big 10 was talking about having the spring season. Of course, then the Big Ten changes on him, and he ends up getting stuck with no senior season. So, yeah, I mean, you've got guys that are definitely will have, you know, we, we could have some more things to evaluate. So it may not be the last ranking. But traditionally, yes, this is the last ranking for a class. And it always comes after what I've called the most valuable evaluation opportunity. And these are the winner all-star games. They're the most valuable for two reasons. One, they are live football. That's something that, you know, like the summer showcases don't have. You only have simulated football, seven-on-seven, one-on-ones, things like that. And those are valuable. You get a lot out of those. You don't get everything you get when you can see a live football game in person. The other thing is, obviously, they're playing against like talent. That makes it better than a high school game that I go to on a Friday night where, you know, six-foot-five, 245-pound Jack Sawyer is lining up against a six one 195-pound tight end. That's a different scenario. Uh, you know, when he's now turning around, lining up against, you know, six foot six, three, 330-pound Blake Fisher at offensive tackle. You know, I, I get a much better evaluation when I can compare like-on-like talent. Um, so that evaluation opportunity with those winter all-star games is certainly the best evaluation tool we have in our arsenal and we lost that this year i was talking with a a colleague today about how there is no doubt i mean when you look back four or five years i fully expect this class is the one we have the most misses with it's just it's just the nature of we have fewer evaluations you're going to have more misses i mean we want to see as many kids as many times as possible so i spent 80 days on the year or you know on the road every year i spend thousands well probably not thousands hundreds of hours definitely watching video every single year and it's it's because the more we can get our hands on, the more evaluation opportunities we get. And plus, you also have guys who are developing that different. I mean, guys that look like they were studs a year ago, you know, didn't develop the way they were supposed to. We didn't even get a chance to see them since they were juniors. That kind of thing's going to happen too. Uh, and on the flip side, guys that you know we never got a chance to see that junior to senior year physical growth and development. Uh, those guys are going to exceed expectations. So there's no doubt. I mean, I expect when you look back on all of our you know rankings and evaluate them year by year, I expect this one to be the one with the most misses. But you know, we're still out there evaluating every single thing that we can to try to get the best um, 
representation of what type of prospects are going at, uh, into the college level. So I guess turning the attention to, we talked about the coaching carousel briefly. Um, it, it's, it's in your region. Um, I've talked about it before with, uh, I had Ari Wasserman at the athletic on a, a couple months ago and we, we discussed it. Um, what are your thoughts on, on everything going on at Michigan? I uh, know Harbaugh is, is, you know, got a quote unquote extension. There was some, some, some shifting around of numbers and uh, the buyout was adjusted a bit and then the, the contract was adjusted, but I, 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 you're around it much more than I am. And I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts, but do you think, I guess, long-term that Harbaugh is the answer there? And, and if he's not, I, I asked Ari the same thing, but I mean, if he's not the long-term answer, who do you think Michigan would turn to? Well, I mean, right now he has to be the answer. They just signed him to an extension. So uh, I, they don't have a, an obvious candidate. I mean, I mean, people are throwing around names like Matt Campbell over at Iowa State. And I don't even know who after that. You know, there there isn't an – and it will change every year. You know, there's new hot names every single year. Um, but, you know, I, I, I mean, right now – Ward Manuel, Michigan's AD, who just suspended athletics for two weeks at Michigan, which has infuriated everybody after he was involved in the uh, the the mishandled Big Ten football season <laughs> debacle over the summer. Um, so he's extended Harbaugh, and then you know if if you extend Harbaugh, you've got to make a change somewhere. They just turned over their staff almost completely. They held on to Sherrod Moore, Sean New on the defensive line, and. Jay Harbaugh, obviously. Uh, that's about it. They, they brought in Maurice Lindquist, a former Texas A&M uh, defensive back coach, was with the Cowboys. He's a very good recruiter. Uh, they've, they've brought home a couple of, uh, you know, native sons. Mike Hart, obviously, the, the you know, all-time leading rusher in Michigan football history. He comes to coach the running backs after having great success at Indiana. Ron Bellamy, a former wide receiver for the Wolverines in, in the NFL. He was a high school coach in the area. He comes in to coach wide receivers. That's going to help them a lot in recruiting in-state, which they have been very poor at. I think that's the biggest knock I've seen, or maybe it's just an indication I've seen because I cover recruiting, is that you start off with Jim Harbaugh, and he's sleeping over at kids' houses. He's climbing trees. You're hearing about all these wacky things that Jim Harbaugh is doing. You haven't heard any of that lately because he just doesn't have that much of a uh, impact on recruiting anymore. It doesn't put himself, doesn't throw himself into recruiting like that anymore. The passion for uh, the college football game seems to be waning on his end with, with, you just don't have kids. I have a lot of kids say they just don't have a relationship with Harbaugh. So that's, you know, when I see that turnaround, then I'll, then I'll think that, you know, there's, the the fire i guess is back under jim harbaugh i thought there was a good chance he would leave go to the nfl and maybe he still does maybe he gets through spring ball and decides nope i can't do this i'm out uh i guess that's a possibility too but i just don't know where michigan would turn i i, I mean extending him they, they lowered his contract it's it's a weird deal and I, and, and this is and this is kind of a, a a sidebar we're not talking recruiting here but i what do you think the issue is? Because I, I think there's no question that, that Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. I mean, he's won. He's done it at both levels. He's been in college and pro. I, I just don't, uh, for the life of me, I don't really have an answer. I don't really understand why it's not working at Michigan. He's got 
all the resources that you could possibly have. They have tons of talent. And uh, it just seems, uh, obviously, the the elephant in the room is is the juggernaut that's Ohio State. And they're just so good every single year. And Ryan Day is just not skipped a beat after Urban Meyer left. But, I mean, outside of not being able to beat Ohio State, do, do you have any kind of answer? I, I just... I'm I'm at a loss of a loss for words. I, I don't understand why it's not working. Yeah, I mean, you look at the win, what, two games this past year, obviously a strange season, but why? Why would Michigan not be able to handle that uh, better than other programs in the Big Ten that they went up against? Uh, they lost to Michigan State. And they lost to Michigan State multiple times when Michigan State wasn't a 500 team. Um, they lost to Notre Dame. They lose big games in big situations. They get you know smacked around in bowl games every year. Uh, you know, I think you look at – when there was a concern about Jim Harbaugh that maybe he was just better at playing with other other people's talent, stuff the previous coach brought in, and wasn't as good at recruiting and developing players. And I think that might have some validity based on what we've seen recently. Yeah, I mean, it was winning at Stanford is is certainly difficult with the academic requirements that you have to meet to be able to play there. Um, so he wanted a high level there. He had Andrew Luck and, and was able to have success. And it just, for me, it's, it's always just strange. I mean, I think that they always seem to have a ton of talent defensively. They always have what, what, what seems to be year in, year out, a, a good to really good defense. But as an offensive guy, it was just always a head scratcher to me that they couldn't really get over the hump Offensively, it just—I don't know if it was just a, a lack of a elite quarterback. I mean, Shea Patterson was, you know, I, somewhat of a bust. I mean, I wouldn't say he was a total bust. He, he still was somewhat okay in college. He had his moments at Ole Miss, and then he had his moments at Michigan, but just wasn't enough. So, I, you probably have to. People ask you this question all the time up there in Michigan, but for me, um, you know, looking at it as as you know from the outside looking in as a as a non you know, Michigan fan or someone that that takes in a ton of Michigan football week in and week out. It just is bizarre to me. Well, I mean, it definitely has actually been an ongoing thing really since Lloyd Carr left. I mean, they hire Rich Rodriguez. Definitely, I mean, I was covering Michigan specifically with the Wolverine magazine at the time, and it was an obvious not a fit, you know, not a culture. Not, not like he came in and we look back and go, that wasn't a fit. No, like before he even arrived in the building, it was like, this is a really weird choice. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you, you're trying to run a wide open spread offense in the Midwest when all the guys in your area are these big, you know, Og Molly's up front and power running backs and pro style quarterbacks, you know. So uh, that went into Brady Hoke, who I think, you know, just didn't have the traps to be a head coach and he's a good assistant coach. It's just an ongoing thing. And, and, you know, they thought Harbaugh, and, and honestly, there's no reason, there's no reason to think that Harbaugh wasn't going to be the guy. Like you said, he had success at Stanford. He had success, brought a, the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Um, but it just has not worked out the way Michigan fans had hoped. He's won, you know, if you look at his just winning percentage, it's okay. It's fine. It's you know, comparable to some other coaches in Michigan history. But when you can't beat Ohio State and you, have, you struggle against Michigan State and Notre Dame, you're going to have uh, a lot of uh, Michigan men that aren't very happy with you. 
Yeah, and it, it everything gets amplified when Ohio State is as good as they are, too. I, I think that that certainly doesn't help his case. All right, last thing, Josh. I, I don't know how much you dabble in coaching searches, but uh, there's one going on close to me uh, here in the state of Tennessee uh, up in Knoxville. I, I don't know how much you've kept up with it, but if you had to, if you had to pick a, a front runner to replace Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, do you have one? <laughs> uh, is it smoking? Is that the dog? <laughs> yeah, smoky. Yeah. Uh, I was watching. I have a, a former colleague who's a, a Tennessee fan, and she was just beside herself, wondering where all the optimism from her fellow Tennessee fans was coming from, because <laughs> the way they were, in her opinion, bungling the search. No, I, I mean obviously with with the signing date coming up next week and all we got going on, I can't put a ton of mental energy into it. Um, I just whatever the guys on Volquest are writing, that's kind of what I go by. But uh, it is interesting. It's another one of those programs tradition rich program a lot of pride in that fan base stop screwing it up you know i mean these these fans deserve better these fans deserve better than the product they've been getting on the field and um i don't know i i mean for their for their sake i hope uh i hope this administration gets it right and and yeah i mean look they've they've won national titles before it's a name that has a lot of cachet there's been a ton of you know, like you said, tradition, they've had success, but it's been a minute since they've had real success. And, you, you know, I don't know if they've really been that nationally relevant, maybe since Lane Kiffin was there, which seems like forever ago. Um, I guess last thing, a follow up here to that. I mean, do you legitimately think it is a I mean, where would you put it? Would you top 15, top 20 job? I mean, they got some NCAA stuff looming, so that's an asterisk here. But where do you put Tennessee in the pecking order? Yeah, Tennessee's a top 15 job. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I mean, it's definitely one that would be a destination you know, job for a lot of top coaches. And uh, the problem is, I think you're looking at, you know, do you get the up and coming grinder like a Josh Heupel? Do you do a retread, you know, like like uh, Illinois did with Brett Bielema? I, I was surprised Illinois went that route, but I guess it's mm-hmm. kind of not you know too surprising knowing that the way illinois operates but um boy it's it's a tough one to call you know what i mean it's it's a you know do you give a you know i like the hypo talk that's coming out there if that's the choice i think that's a, a very solid get i mean as as good as your options are right now that's that's among the best in my opinion yeah i mean i I'd heard, you know, rumors of, you know, PJ Fleck, um, you know, there, there was some James Franklin rumblings, but I never thought they were too far down the road with him. But I mean, I, like you mentioned Hypo, I like Josh Hypo. I think he, he's done a nice job at UCF following Scott Frost and um, the offense is certainly there and Tennessee fans I, for the last couple of years have just been clamoring for something on offense uh, with the struggles with Jarrett Guarantano and then the, the, I mean, the, the musical chairs they did in 2020 with quarterback was, was certainly not fun for them, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see who they're going to hire and, and, and how they can navigate what the NCAA is, is going to do at, at some point. Um, I've, I've heard rumors that it's not going to be good for, for Vols fans, but yeah, certainly, um, 
I, hey, I, I love coaching searches. I always think they're interesting to follow. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see who they who they get. And I think college football fans in general should be rooting for, you know, Tennessee to get it right. It's interesting. You talk about Michigan and obviously being up in here in the Midwest, it's kind of weird hearing all these Ohio State fans just like begging Michigan to get good. You know what I mean? To bring some, you know, cachet back to that rivalry because it's been so lopsided. It just kind of, you know, they want, they want to, you know, aim towards Michigan every year. They don't want to have a cakewalk every year. And uh, that's kind of way this rivalry has been. So, uh, you know, you want these blue blood programs to be good. It just makes college football better. And I think, you know, even Florida fans and SEC fans would, would want Tennessee not to screw it up at least, you know what I mean? Maybe they don't want to hire Bill Belichick or anybody, but you know, they want, they want to, they want to get it right on some level. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, they've, Tony Elliott's name has been floating around a lot. The the Clemson OC and you know never been a head coach, but I I wouldn't call that a bad hire. It'd be risky, but um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it makes the game better. Uh, I mean, look at Texas. I mean, they've got a ton of momentum now with Steve Sarkeesian being named the head coach there. His I mean, his name carries a lot of weight with what he did at Washington and then what he did with Alabama's offense. So that's a that's a very tradition rich program that's, you know, kind of back in the limelight with that hire. So so yeah, I mean all jokes aside, I mean people want these big programs to to kind of get back on their feet and to perform well on Saturdays cuz like you said, it just makes the game better. Certainly. Yep, absolutely. All right, Josh, uh, that's going to do it for uh, for this edition of Respect My Decision. Before I let you go, I do want to give you the opportunity to tell the folks at home where they can find your work and if they want to follow you on Twitter or follow you on the Internet, where they can uh, get all that. So let them know. I spend the most time on Rivals.com and the Rivals.com team sites. Uh, any you know, message boards over there. You can follow me on Twitter. It's just my name, at Josh Helmholt. Uh, and if you like podcasts, we have the Rivals Recruiting Podcast on pretty much every major podcast platform. So we talk recruiting with uh, top movers and shakers in the recruiting world every week. All right. That's Josh Helmholt of Rivals the Midwest recruiting analyst. You can find all of his work, footballrecruiting.rivals.com, and then follow him on Twitter, like he said. Uh, For Josh, I'm Zach. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.